and welcome to Pocket Thoughts. Our topic for today's episode is you can't do it alone, but you have to do it alone when it comes to entrepreneurship. We get into areas such as focusing on other skill sets versus teaching those around you something new. And we also get into a deep talk at the end. So enjoy that and I hope you guys get something out of that. As always, thank you for listening and I hope you all have a wonderful week. What I meant by you can't do it alone, but you have to do it alone. I I was thinking maybe we could talk about how, as an entrepreneur, how important it is to create a team or have a good team around you. Because I think if you don't have a good team or a good support system, you legitimately can't do it. And I'm not necessarily talking about networking because we've already kind of touched on networking. I was more thinking of, you know, like us, we were a good team with three timbers for the portion of time that we were working well together, you know, and there was a reason why we were a good team. It was just like Joey going out and doing three timbers on his own. I don't think three timbers would have grown as quick. If I would have done it on my own, I don't think it would have grown as quick, you know? So I think I wanted us to talk about the importance of a team and finding the right people. And then I thought a good spinoff of that is you also have to do it on your own. And a sense that even when you have a good team, like, all the stuff falls on your shoulders and, you know, just kind of going over, I don't know. I just wanted us to go in depth about that lonely feeling each of us have probably felt at some point while doing entrepreneurship, because I think all of us have felt some sense of doing it alone or feeling like we had our own perspective or we need to get through something on our own. So I just think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs have to go through. So I just wanted to touch on both aspects, if that makes sense. When I think about how successful entrepreneurs can't do it on their own, I think the truth is when you go into entrepreneurship, like I talked about with Three Timbers, I think you need to find key people. I think most successful entrepreneurs kind of lean heavily on something called, I think this is right, I don't know if you guys learned this term, social capital. And essentially what that is, is first they develop networks that help them identify and pursue opportunity. And then they do a really, really good job at recognizing their own personal strengths and weaknesses. And then that kind of leads them to figure out what kind of team they should have around them, if that makes sense. So I think many entrepreneurs kind of need to have a good team around them to build something big. You know, I think every company needs to be built in a way that you have like the big idea person and then you have the person that's the actual doer, you know? And I think when we look at our team, we all have significantly different skill sets. And I think that's why I was interested in us creating educating entrepreneurs together because I would say just straight up, I'm horrible at numbers. Like I'm bad at accounting. I, I don't know how to make spreadsheets. It doesn't interest me at all. 
So when I had Joey come in and start doing EE with us, like that's what I was thinking. Joey's the accountant. He's good at making spreadsheets. He knows how to do that stuff. I'm not interested in editing podcasts. I'm not really interested in putting together good audio. And I knew Brandon had run a radio show back in the day and he would be a good person to do that stuff. And then Brady's just kind of a jack of all trades, but he has a he has a lot of experience in consulting. So having somebody on the team that can give a lot of straightforward advice from experiences they've had in different industries and how companies have done it right, I knew we needed that because I've never been in that corporate setting and I don't know how big companies do it. And I don't know how to mimic that stuff. And I know I'm the entrepreneur in the group. I'm going to be the one that's going to be, I think most of the time, the motivator. And I just have an idea of what it takes for us to keep moving forward, I believe. But I knew team-wise, I was nothing without them. So that's just the truth of it all. I think it really comes down to your team no matter what it is that you're doing. I think the other thing is, You need to find a team that thinks very similarly to you in some aspects. And I'm interested to hear what you guys think about this. And what I mean by that is, for all you guys out there that are listening, educating entrepreneurs has slowly been growing because we've all accepted that this is kind of our our side passion project. So we've all talked to each other over and over saying, you know, sometimes some weeks people might have two hours to put in, some weeks we might have zero, some weeks we might have 10. But the thing is, what I realized, it really comes down to team because when Brady can put in 20 hours, I'm easily finding 20 to 30 hours to put into EE. When Brady's putting in three hours or zero hours, I'm finding maybe two to four hours to put into EE. Your team ultimately pushes you to your next level. And it really comes down to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, how important it is to have people around you that can take you to that next level. We talked about it last week, I think. And that's the same thing with your team and entrepreneurship. So EE will only grow as large as each of us are willing to grow it because it can be fun at the beginning when you're starting a company. And even if people on your team aren't doing stuff, You can still push yourself to work 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week. But when you get months into that thing and you're working 80 hours a week and others around you are working 40, you're not going to keep pushing yourself. It's just inevitable. Like you want someone by your side. So I think really the point that I wanted to get across was I think the number one rule, and I can't remember what book I read this in, but I'm going to read it. I, they said that the number one rule is to be passionate about something. Your passion is your best means of meeting people. And there's so little of it in the world. And people are drawn to the excitement of somebody who is really alive, really on fire about something. So everything else will follow. Therefore, I think if you're looking for your team and you're really passionate about something, I think you just need to go out and use existing networks. I think you need to decide where you want to work and move there. I think you need to use technology to find that second founder. And I think you need to make sure you don't waste your time building useless networks. So I just think when it comes to a team and the last thing I'll say about it, I thought that I could survive back in the day being a solo entrepreneur. And there's a lot out there. But I realized there's no chance 
at me being a solo entrepreneur if I want to be happy. And I think if you look at Y Combinator, they're in Silicon Valley. They're one of the largest incubators, accelerators in the country. They're the best of the best. The founder there basically won't accept companies unless they're two or more founders because he knows that it's just too hard to go on this journey alone. That's how I'm prefacing this. I'm kind of curious what you guys think is important when making a good team, what you think is valuable. I think just from our own experiences, we have a lot that we can draw from. With the tagline of you can't do it alone, but you have to do it alone. It sounds like you started with you can't do it alone. Um, and I, I like that. Um, so I'm going I'm to try and pick up there. Um, you talked about a couple of things that we had previously um, with our team. And I, I think that's a huge thing. I, I don't know how to phrase it best, but it's, it's having people, like you said, that think similarly to you, but also having people that think differently enough. Like at the start, you outlined how everybody like played complementary roles in this rather than kind of like overlapping roles. I think what you mean, and, and you can uh, push back on this if, if you disagree, but what you mean is like in a similar mindset is having people that are kind of like have the same passion and like vision as you, correct? So like you all get together and you say like, I see the top of that mountain. Like we all want to go to that. Like that's where we want to go. And I think that's where you want people that are similar to you because I agree with you that I think it's really tough, especially in a team of any nature when you have like what you were saying, like the team is going to be as good as like the like the weakest link or the one that carries like the least uh, amount of weight because I agree with you that it's easy it's easy no matter how passionate or determined you are to stoop down to like oh well so and so is doing this so that's okay like that's what I'll do too or it's easy to like pick yourself up around like wow everybody's putting in 20 hours I'm gonna put in 20 hours too um, so I think it's really important to surround yourself with those people because um, I think you said something along the lines of the team pushes you to your next level and that reminds me of like surround yourself with the people that you want to become like. So it's like, however, like hard or I guess not hard you want to work, like find those people and, and surround yourself with them because you know, that's like, that's ultimately where you want to go. The, the point I wanted to bring up with what we had earlier is and Bobby, I know we've talked about this before. We might, we may have all talked about this before, but I know like specifically we've had this conversation before about like why a lot of the stuff that we did together like worked when, when, when we were like still like clicking is kind of like we both had the same outlook on how we how we wanted to do things but we had different like ways of approaching it and different ways we processed it so like you were saying like you need the big idea guy like you were and still are like the big idea guy you were always like you could think past like oh i think we could get we could hit like fifty thousand this year it's like no we could hit a hundred thousand this is how we're gonna do it and I think I was the other side of that. And you can also correct me if I'm wrong here, but I was like the more analytical, like I could process, I would process things over a thousand times before we make a decision. And I think ultimately that's why like we ended up like balancing well for that is because you kind of had like the fast paced decision maker, like let's do this right. Let's do this 10 minutes ago without thinking about it and just see how it goes. And I was the other side of that of like, let's wait, let's process this. Let's see how it works. And I think that balanced each other really well because I didn't really think of it how you did of just like, let's do this, let's do it now, let's uh, test. And I could be wrong, but I don't think you were much on like the analytical, like let's process this in a way. <laughs> like it's never been your style and I don't think it ever will be, which is good. Um, but I, I think to that point, like I think you need someone that balances you in that er in those areas because like if you have three people that only analyze and process, like you're gonna be waiting and waiting and waiting to make decisions and you're never gonna move, like, move or get anything accomplished. And on the other side of that, if you've got like, four big idea guys that like are just, oh, every time let's shoot for the moon and like 
let's just like do it right now. I think sometimes um, that's going to cause like failure after failure after failure, which isn't a bad thing, uh, but I, 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 there are they're... two different approaches that complement each other really well when you put them together. So I, I agree with you that a huge aspect of it is your team. And like, no matter what, obviously there are people that do it alone, but like surrounding yourself with a team. And I would love to know if there's a stat about this, but like how much more successful like team-based startups are versus like a single solo entrepreneur going um, alone. And I'm sure there's stats, something like that out there, but I mean, that, those are my um, initial thoughts on it. And I just wanted to butt in quick and say, you know, when it comes to all of us working together, I think one thing that made us very good at what we did is the fact that we did all have different skill sets but i think something that made us very bad as a team is we didn't discuss our different skill sets i don't think we openly acknowledged what each of us were good at and what each of us were bad at and accepted it for what it was because i still remember back in the day when joey would sit there and think about things or brady would sit there and think about things i'd just be like let's go guys like in my head I was thinking about it like they should process it the way I'm processing it. And the fact that they're taking their sweet time is either because they don't want to put in the work mm -hmm. or they're just, they're not as invested in this business as me. It's something that's really helped at least. And I think even when we started educating entrepreneurs, we made the mistake all, like right out of the gate where we said, here's the deal. We're coming together and we're going to all build the same way. We're all going to have the same tasks and we're going to come together and we're going to look at those tasks and say, here's what we need to improve. But the thing is, we're all built so drastically different that that would never work. It's not productive. It's not even smart to do that. You know, like, I think we just tried to do it out of the gate because at least I know for me personally, I was like, I want everyone to do the same thing because I want to be nice to everyone. I want to make sure no one's feelings are hurt, even if some of us are good at some things and some of us aren't at other things. And I'd go into protective mode to make sure all of us were happy when the truth is all of us would be more happy if we just had an understanding of really what our traits were. And the last thing I was going to say off of that is I talked to John Rasmussen. He's an executive at Wells Fargo. And he said one thing that their executive team does is they sit down and they look at uh, all their traits. What's the, what's that trait test called again? Briggs, Myers-Briggs. Yes. Myers-Briggs so personality test. All their, their entire executive team does the Myers-Briggs and they all put it up in their offices. And so every day they look at what they're on the extremes of and what they're not. So like John was talking about, you know, he manages, I, I can't remember, 5,000 plus people. And he's like, you know, I, in my Myers-Briggs, it showed that I'm an extreme perfectionist. And so... When people come in, and we've talked about this, Joey, I think, he was just like, when people come in my office and present something, I look at my sheet of paper and I go, I'm an extreme perfectionist, almost to a fault. I need to tone it back and not go crazy on this person's presentation and give them some constructive criticism, but also say, it's pretty darn good. Or maybe not say anything at all, because he's like, I know I'm that extreme and they're the other extreme and that's how we balance. But I think it's really interesting that their entire executive team actually goes around thinking about what they're the extreme of and tone it back. So they actually have other people come in and work properly. So I, that's a really, I really like that point. And I, I want to push back on you a little bit on that for the sense of utilizing your first point, which was like play to your strengths. Um, and, and 
we we found this like on our team here a lot that we we have just like any team uh people like that we have like extreme type a perfectionists like nothing gets past them nothing's good enough and then we've got the other side of the spectrum which every team has which is just like throw it on the wall see if it sticks like let's put a 20 percent version up and that's good enough like we'll get by with that i think both of those are good things but like like you said we use both those people for like getting the tasks done that they can help with so like right before we're going to present a deck to a client, like we bring it to the people that we know that are going to be like, this is a terrible deck. I'm going to tear it apart because like, ultimately it's going to refine like what we need to do in our deck. Like he can go through it after we've gone through it like five or six times and absolutely tear it apart. But we know that like, he's like the last, last, last set of eyes on it. So like we use him for that, but we would never bring him in on step one, creating the deck because like we never get anything done. It would just be like absolutely deconstructing it every single time. So we use him for like the, like visually and like content wise, like what is perfect. Um, and we use them for that. We know that. And then we have people on the other side who like, if we need a deck up in like 30 minutes, we're not going to go to the perfectionist type A because like it takes them like two hours to create a single slide. Whereas other people can create like a 15 slide deck in like three hours. So it's like, all right, we're going to use them, get the outline, get the framework together. And then we have the people that can do like the content in the middle. And then we have like the perfectionist on the backside. So you may or may not agree with that, but like it has, it has worked well for us. Like as we have learned, like, oh, this is what people are really good at. Let's utilize them for those things because like, oh, it, like they don't feel bad that they're not making that 15 slide deck at the first, at the start. Like usually they like doing what they're doing, like tearing the deck apart at the end. So that's, that's one part. Um, the other um, part is I hundred percent agree. And I think teams, anybody like falls in this trap so bad of just like everybody does everything. Like we're just going to put, we're going to level set everything. And we've talked about this a million times, but like, oh, um, I'll learn how to code and then I'll help you with like designing the website, even though that would take me 80 hours to do what it would take you like 10 hours to do. And like what, the analogy I think of when it comes to this and, and I'll wrap up right after this, but like you wouldn't go onto like a football field or a baseball diamond and be like, we're just going to switch positions every inning or every quarter just so everyone can do everything like that, that's like why you get good at things. And that's like why people get paid what they get paid, both like business world, sports, um, what have you is like, you get really good at something. And that's what people like, that's what your value is. So you wouldn't like go have your quarterback play like D line, because that's not what he gets paid to do, you know? So I, I think that's like an unbelievable point that gets brushed over a lot, because it, it should be really obvious, like do what you're good at. But I think a lot of people, even teams like we, I see it all the time in our corporate land. It's just like, oh, just have whoever do like, let's have everybody work on everything the same. Um, and I think like, and I think you, everybody would probably agree with this, that that's like a major, major downfall. I think it's really important just to have people play their strengths. And I think what you mentioned, like uh, bringing people in, in, in different, different times throughout the project life is super valuable. Mm -hmm. One question uh, I have to you is when you're building a team, um, yes, you want to use people to kind of to your advantage and to not take advantage of them, but just like use their skill set to your advantage. Do you just continually do that or do you try to build a team that can do a little more? You know, do you try to expand their skill set or you try to just like or do you just keep giving them these type A projects and things like that? I guess do you just want to keep them there the whole time? I mean, if you use like the football analogy, I guess it makes sense of like just focusing up as a quarterback, right? But when you're building a team like that, what's your take on, on that? 
Yeah, and and so the, I think this is probably different for everywhere, but for us, it is very much the case where it's like it's a it's a dual fit. So like one, we want to utilize people to their strengths, but two, even some people are really good at things and they're like, I don't, I don't, I'm not passionate about doing that and I don't want to do it. So like it's a little bit of like a form fit function sort of thing. So it's not just like, oh, you're amazing at this, like you're gonna do this. Like maybe at the start it's a little bit like that, but it's very much like all right, do you like doing this? And if you do, like, we're happy to give you this work because you know you're, you're really good at it. And then as they continue to do it, they're going to get better and better at it. So um, I think half of it, um, and we've done this with some like very technical decks that we've worked on, is like getting people very, very refined to like certain things as long as they're passionate about it. Because like ultimately, like if they're passionate about it, they're going to do it 10 times better than somebody else that's just like, shit, I got to do this again. Like, oh, I got to go do this, even if you're really good at it. Um, so like our, our approach, and I think it's different at the start. I think at the start, you kind of do use everybody for everything to see like, okay, who comes to the surface at each of these points. So like who can make a deck really quickly, who can like help white glove it at the end. So I think at the start, it is helpful to be like, oh, get your hands on everything. See what you're good at. See what your teammates are good at. And then you see like what people are actually passionate about. But for us, it's very much been like, we've become like more and more siloed. Um, as we like have worked through the projects now in like the year, like about year I've been here, um, people are like more and more siloed off into certain projects because it's just like, they're really good at, at making decks or certain people are very, very good at like articulating thoughts, um, writing white papers, writing client facing things. Some people are unbelievable, like, um, visualization tools. So we have like very much tailored down to like exactly what people are doing to where like when we started, everybody was doing five jobs and now it's like everybody does one job, but we're doing it 10 times better than we were previously. If that answers your question. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That answers my question. Yeah. It's, it's more about, I guess, the passion of where people want to be, I guess, too. That helps. Um, one thing I know that that's helped um, at my firm kind of our different roles in our teams is we, we started out a little smaller. So we are trying to um, wear a lot of hats and that really wasn't working. Um, it was me doing proofing of my own reports before they went out and no one wants, should want me to proof anything, especially if it's grammar and spelling related. <laughs> it's not my cup of tea. And so um, once we expanded our team, we were able to get people that were, while they were more accounting, while they were accounting focused, they were uh, more attention to detail of this sort of stuff and could definitely spread it out between our team. And, and that was kind of huge to find those people. From what everyone's basically saying, the thing that I get out of this the most is kind of what we did towards like month two or three when Bobby's like, all right, Brandon, you're going to do something else. Mm -hmm. And that was on me to not speak up right away and be like, yeah, I don't want to write a blog. And I just kind of tried to get through it as best I could or whatever minimal effort I put into it. And then that just did not fly with how we wanted things to go. And I think it's on kind of both people to speak up. If you're like, I don't want to do this, which I mean, you have to be honest in that case or else you're just going to hate it. And you say, I want to do something else because I'm going to actually put passion into it. I'm going to put more effort and you're going to get something good out of it because it's something they actually care about. And then another thing I was thinking about with this whole team thing is that I think me personally, I could not be a solo entrepreneur. I would be done in like a day. I'd be like, maybe, maybe last a week, but I'd be like, you know, 
I'd get bored. I'd wake up at like noon and be like, well, time to go uh, figure something out. But <laughs> it, would, it wouldn't last long. That's basically the gist of it. So I think team would be huge. And I think when you are building these teams and you do grow bigger, I think matching personalities with your team is helpful, but also having ones that it's not just agreeing with each other all the time. I think personalities and sense of these people are kind of similar, but they also bring different ways to challenge each other. Cause I think one thing that I see at my company is we've had people that will like come into our group and it's not that you don't get along with them. It's just, it's nothing's really like clicking with them. So you kind of push them around to different groups. And I like look at these groups and it kind of, they kind of look like high school clicks just cause everyone's like, so tight with each other. And I'm like, if I was in that group, I would not get along with these people. Like I think, matching similar interests and stuff like that kind of makes the team work a lot better, but also having those people in there that are going to challenge you and not just agree with everything and bring different ideas to the table too. Can I ask another question before we go into doing it alone? And I've had this question for a while. Do you (laughs) think when you have a team, like you actually make a team to build a company, do you think you need to accept a clear cut leader in that group? Or do you think a clear-cut leader hurts the team? Or I always have a tough time with this because, I mean, I'll just use Michael and I for an example. And when we're running GoMahi, I know we're equal partners in GoMahi. But I know I'm the natural leader. Big dogs got to eat, baby. I know, but... At the same time, it's hard because a lot of the decisions I make or a lot of the things I say, I always try to make sure I'm saying it or doing it in a way where it's like, we're both leaders, so let's take longer because we need to make sure we do it in a way that I make sure you feel like a leader. And you know, like even us as a group, maybe we should just discuss us as a group. I always feel like, and this could just be wrong, but I always feel like, partially I got to work on being the leader in the group to send like, this is what questions we should do. Like we got to push this, get this podcast put together. We need to do these things. But I don't know if that's just a passion thing. Is it something that hurts the team? Is it something that helps? Like what are your guys' thoughts on that? Because I don't really know what you guys even think of me talking like that sometimes. I think, I think you do need, a clear-cut leader, and I think you need that's something you need to establish right away. I think the case for you and Michael, and I guess us too, is you are the one that kind of brought this up to us. This is something you were passionate about, something you wanted to do. And I think when you have someone with, I wouldn't say, probably I would say more passion than everyone else and kind of doing that, you're going to have more push and more bring more ideas that you have going through your head. And I think like, I was just joking with Joey. I was like, Oh, I thought I was the leader of this group. Like, like, obviously I'm not. No, I think you do need to establish someone right away or else you're going to get different people. And I've seen it at my job too. It's like you have a couple managers on one account and you don't know who to look to right away or who to ask the question. And you can have both of those people kind of going at it, like saying, all right, guys, this is what we're going to do. But then the other guy might have a different take, but he's not going to come in and be like, no, let's do it this way. Because like you were saying, that can waste a lot of time and it's just going to cause problems down the road. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I think um, I was always on the always on kind of like the spectrum of like I don't I don't think there needs to be a clear cut leader until probably like this year when I've been in like corporate world and it's people need to know like who they're responding to that sort of thing. Um, so I, I have two things to say on that. I think teams do need like I, I think they need a leader. I don't think it has to be like instantly uh, delineated like this is the person. Like I think it naturally kind of occurs. Um, and I think there are kind of a couple of reasons for that. The second thing is I think you can also have a leader or two leaders like Michael and yourself or or depending on like what your team is doing that leads in different regards. So like we have projects that we have one person is like the operations lead and we have other people that are like, so like we have some people that are like in in the weeds doing the technical work lead and people go to them for those things. And then we have people that are like um, operations. So like scheduling, making sure everything's on track. Um, making sure that like we're, we're interfacing with the correct leadership, we're getting the right clients. Cause I think those are two diff- very different things. And like those roles can be split up. So like, um, I, I think that's a possibility when lends itself well to whatever project or whatever team you're working on. Like in this instance, like our, our team, I don't, I don't see why there'd be two leaders and I agree with you. Um, so what I was saying before is I think it, it kind of naturally occurs because I think this is like, this is your bread and butter. This is what you do. Like you are an entrepreneur, like you've said a million times. So I, I think you're very right in the fact of not, not that the onus should be on you, but like that you do step up to the plate and you're like, Hey, this is what we're doing. Um, this is kind of like the outline, the guideline, like Brandon was saying, like, this was like your, your baby to, to begin with. And I think like, you know, this better than anybody else. So it wouldn't make sense for anybody else to be the leader here. Um, like conversely, if we decided like, Oh, I've got this like great opportunity in med devices. Like I would expect that I would push that forward. Like, I think we have a complementary skill set where like everybody could contribute to that, but it's like, what, what are you good? Like what we were talking about earlier, like, what are you, what are you good at? And like, who drives it forward? Um, because I, I very much think that you understand, at least from my perspective and, and Joey and Brandon can chime in on this as well, but like knowing how to reach audiences, like what people want to see that sort of stuff. Like I, I don't have the first clue about it and you know, like first off what those, what those people want. So like, I wouldn't want to be out front leading the charge. Like, bringing like the team into like a gun, like a gun laden battlefield. So we all get mowed down at the start. Like, you know, what's coming up, you know, like what's going to be there. Um, so I definitely do think that it makes sense given the circumstances, um, especially like, in, like your personality and the way you are that um, you step up for that. But I, I do think there, there definitely needs to be like a leader of a team. Otherwise you get like miscommunication and people not understanding like one, who they're reporting to or two, like when I have X problem, who do I go this to? So sometimes, it works out to have those like two two leaders, and I think that can work very well. But it has to be like situationally based. But in, in any instance, there does need to be a leader of a group. Have you guys all taken the lead on something? Like, obviously, I know Brady has. Joey, I'd assume you have. Brandon. Well, I'm curious because you know, just thinking about taking the lead on in entrepreneurship or anything, even if you're all equal partners on your team and you have a great team around you. I don't mean like when I take the lead on everything, I always feel like, gosh, I just wish one of these days someone else just took the lead. And I think this is the kind of the transition that I'd like to make to being alone. And we'll get into the alone part as we get further and further down here. But when I think about leading this, like every single day, I'm like, gosh, I just want someone to shoot a text with a new idea, explaining how we're gonna move forward, how to explore it. 
and the fact that they went out and they they did it. You know, I mean, I don't fault anyone, but I'm saying like, as a lead, and you guys have all felt this, do you guys get that same feeling? Because that's where I start to feel pretty alone. When it always has to be, when you always have to be the one initiating, that's where you start to feel like frustrated and alone. And even though everyone's in it with you, you start to feel like you're in it alone. Like it's on your shoulders. Because if you don't make that first move, nothing's happening. And I feel that in every company that I run. It's like, if I don't sit there, even though it's too late at night and I just want to be done with this stupid thing, I know that if I'm not the one thinking it through that night and shooting everyone a text in the morning, everything's just going to sit and wait. So I think that's part of the loneliness. And so I'd like to hear your guys' take on that first. And then I have more lonely life entrepreneurship to get into. I think, I think that's an awesome segue. I absolutely love that. That um, comes with the, with the role of being a leader, right? Like, I think that just comes with the job description. I, I think like it's shitty and it sucks and I think everybody feels it, but like at some point that's like, I don't know how to put this well because it's, that's like the thing that frustrates. It's, it's not frustrating, but it's just like you have days when you're just like, God, wouldn't someone just do it? Like, I just want someone to do it. And I a hundred percent agree with you. Like, you, you know, at the end of the day, and I think it depends like probably on the project you're working on where it's like, this is the person that like ultimately, or you as that person, like if I, if I don't step up and get this done, I'm going to come in tomorrow morning and it's not going to be done. Like, or if you're not telling people like X, Y, and Z need to be done, it's not going to be done in the morning. Like you could wait a week, you could wait a month and people would just be like, Oh, like we didn't have time or like, we didn't know we had to do that. But like, I think that's part of like, that's a huge part of leadership is like either you do it or you like set the guidelines so that other people can do it. And I think that's been like a big learning experience for me here this year is like a lot of the times you think of like leaders like, Oh, I have to go out and I have to like do this. And I think a lot of times it is like, you have to step up to the plate and like just get things done a lot of times. But also a lot of times as a leader is like giving people like the resources and the, the structure to get things done themselves as well. Um, and, and you might have more, more to share about this. Anybody might, cause but. you start to realize like how much people can get done and that people are willing to do things. But I think a lot of people struggle, struggle. And I think this is why, like, not everyone is like a natural leader is that like, they don't know what to take that first step or they don't like, they're not going to do it on their own. But if they have someone that says like, I need a, B and C, here's what I want in each section. And this is like when I want it done by people, like usually people will get that done. Not a problem. Like I, I think. I find a lot less often that people are just like unwilling to do work. Then people are just like, I don't know where to start or I don't know what to do. Um, and, but, but that's in my opinion that like, I think that's part of the balance of like, you know, that if, if you aren't doing it or you aren't initiating it, it's not going to get done. But half of that leadership is like either you yourself being like effort, like, yeah, I'm going to step up and I'm going to do it whether it takes like all night and everybody else is going to bed at like 10 o'clock or, I'm going to like set a structure in place and give people the tools that they need so that they can get it done as well. But I'd like to hear other people's take on that. I think one of the big thing, one of the big things you said, um, or you alluded to was when you're kind of giving people instruction on, on what to do, giving them a timeline for that. Um, a lot of the times it's, yeah, first off, they don't know where to start. So giving them the task on, on what to do is extremely important. 
but giving them a timeline is also important because some people just have no sense of time and how long something should take. They're just like, maybe they're not efficient worker or something like that, but you'd be like, all right, this should realistically probably take you about maybe like two hours today, something like that. And then be like, oh, okay. And if you didn't tell them that, they'd probably uh, string it out to a whole day or something, maybe, maybe something like that. So I think as, as a leader of your, of your group, of your project, whatever it is, um, delegating work and letting people know what to prioritize, where to start, and then giving them a timeline for all these things is, is extremely important. The biggest thing that I'm thinking about during this is kind of what Bobby brought up when you kind of are saying to yourself, is anyone going to do anything? Like, is anyone going to say anything? Is it going to be different today? Like, why is it have to be me? And I, my question is, do you get to the point where you just want to text us and say, guys, does anyone have anything? Do you feel like that would be too much? I know you probably wouldn't, but I think I know other people would be kind of passive aggressive about it and just be like, find a different way of getting around to it where you don't have to come out and say, can anyone suggest something today? Or something like that. Bobby, I'd like to hear your response to that. But one thing kind of off of that, um, and something that related to what Brady said was it almost comes in dot in the job description of something's not gonna get done probably if you don't delegate or if you don't do it yourself almost. Do you think that's true if you have the right team and if you have people that have similar mindsets and work ethics? Do you think that's true? Uh, I mean, I'm sure in some cases for sure, but if you build a good team, I don't necessarily feel like that's that's should be in the job description, I guess. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I, I agree with you um, that I, I don't think it should be in the job description. I think the, the problem is, I agree with you that, that the case is hopefully that you would you would have a team that would get things done. But I still think that as a team in an ideal world, right? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. And that's, I think that's a great way to put it is like in an ideal world, like, yes, everyone would step up and do this, especially once like someone has like led at some point, I think that's like the burden for people that are on the team kind of have like a mindset shift of like, Oh, someone is taking care of this now. And like, if I'm not being told what's, what's do, I'm trying to think of it like, so, and this is also very much in, in my own personal situation, because I've seen this a million times where like the people on, on, on the team are, are 100%. It's not like a competence issue or like a determination issue. Like they could be super passionate about things, but it's just like, oh, well, we still haven't gotten the information that we, that we need or that we're expecting to hear maybe. Um, so we like haven't started the project. I kind of think of it as like a, like a coach on a team, like, oh yeah, like we're going to have two hour practices and the coach is going to like tell us what to do. And we're like, for like 30 minutes of practice, we're going to condition. Like, that's great. And I think like, no matter how hardworking your team is, like you take that coach out of the picture, like there's a good chance that like conditioning time probably goes down a little bit. Maybe you'll miss a couple practices. Guys are showing up late. Like you still might like get the job done. People might like step up, but like, you're still missing that like figure that's like, this is when we're doing it and this is how we're doing it. So like, I think, I, I think you're right. In an ideal world, you build a team and you're like, Oh, everybody does everything all the time. Great. But like, I, I don't think, I think that's a very, very minuscule, like 
aspect of the population. I, I could be totally wrong. I'd love to hear other people's take on that. So I'll answer Brandon's question first. Um, have there been times as a leader that I've just looked at my phone and been like, I should just text everyone saying, just fucking say something to me. Like, honestly, I, I don't want to come up with the question. I Just give me a freaking question. Like, yes, I've obviously thought that, but then I've thought about if I actually text that, what good does that do for anyone? And honestly, it doesn't do any good for the team because then the team's pissed at me for being a douche. And it's not any good for me because I'm not getting any results and I'm just mad. So, yes, I've thought about that. But ultimately, this is where it comes back to the whole team that Joey brought up. Like, it probably shouldn't be in the job description for the leader to have to push the team every single second of every single day. And... I think the difference is if this was six years ago, I probably would have texted you guys, hey, someone else do something. Like, I mean, just in a sense, like someone else give me a question or someone else do, like someone else make sure the podcast happens, you know? But the thing is, I think I've started to realize maybe you can find one other person that can sit there on a team and think exactly the same as you, have the same motivations in the same way at the same exact time. But when you start getting the teams of 10 or 15 or there's no chance. Like I could sit there all day and vet every single person and make sure they're passionate about the same thing as me. And they could all want to do the same things in their life, but we all have different time frames. And the fact that I want to do it so quick, like I know there's nobody sitting in the room and Maybe this is just a competitive side of me, but as someone that really wants to build a company right now, a big one, it doesn't matter who's sitting across from me. I am going to make sure I work harder than them. Like I will never give them a chance to work the same amount as me. Therefore, I'm always going to be sitting there like, you should really work harder. So it's my fault, you know? And so like, I think if you're an entrepreneur and you're leading a team and you're trying to grow something big and you have this extreme just work ethic, it's really just extreme passion. Because I don't think it's, like if Joey had, or let's use Brandon. If Brandon had an extreme passion, like if it was as extreme as I feel mine right now, he could easily work as much as me. He just needs to find it. If there was something he was that passionate about. But, that's where I just think, yeah, finding a team that's going to all work as hard, I think that's just, unfortunately, it's just not going to happen. It would be my dream, yeah, but it's not going to happen. Well, I think what's interesting there too is like what exactly what you said. Like you could sit down with every person, vet them, and they could be completely honest with you and upfront and be like, I am passionate about this. Like I want to do this. I think part of it is like bystander effect. Like what you were saying with numbers, like once you get 5, 10, 15 people, like once, even if three of those people are leaders, like I think if you put one of them in a room and we're like, oh, this needs to get done, they would probably do it every time because they know like, oh, the onus is on me to get it done. Once you see like 10 other people, like you're thinking like, oh, well, anybody else could also step up and do this. Like if I'm not the leader, why would I step up and do it? That's extra work on me. And like, if I'm not the leader of this, then like, why should I be doing that? And I, I, I think that might be part of it. I could be wrong, but I think that's probably some psychological, social theory sort of thing. Um, because I agree with you that like, yeah, maybe in a team of th- or, like, Eh, maybe not. 
like I was going to say a smaller team, but still, I, I think it's just like, oh, well, someone else could like step up and do it too. So like, like why, why should I be the one to do that if I'm not the, the leader? I mean, I, that's a terrible way to look at it, but I think that's an easy way to look at it. The second thing is what you were saying, Bobby, is like you easily could have like, or anybody as a leader, when things don't get done, like shoot a message in the group and be like, why that like someone else do this, someone else do this. And I think part of that is like, weighing and i'm trying to find the right word here but like the results or the value of that because like yeah you get that off your chest and maybe this time someone's like oh i'll shoot that in but like is it worth like the people being pissed at you for two weeks and like other things even though that that shouldn't be the case to for like you when you could like go and like you're like oh well it like legitimately takes me two minutes to look up a question like f it i'll just do it you know like do i like what 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 like it's it's like weighing the value of like what am I going to get out of this versus like what is the use to me like okay it might be an extra ten minutes for me to look up a question but if I shoot this message in the group yes like then I'll I'll be able to say my part and maybe someone else will do it this time but like people being pissed at me for for two weeks or or a month even if it's like not in the right context it's like well fuck it I'll just do it you know um, so I think like those two things is like figuring out how, how to traverse those waters maybe is a better way to say it. And then like the bystander effect of, well, we have all the, like there's 15 other people on the team. Why shouldn't they do it too? Like I've like, no reason I should step up and do it. And I know that these are like terrible ways to look at it, but I think they're really easy traps to fall into even like being on a team, no matter like how passionate and how um, like really gung ho you are about something. Because like, I, I do think of it, and I think back and I could be also totally wrong here, but like, I think if we were doing a, a finance company, Joey would probably be pressing every time to be like, Hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. If we were doing like uh, a, a podcast show, then, <laughs> then Brandon would be do it. Or like, you get what I'm saying, like, like marketing, marketing material, whatever, like, um, then, then Brandon would be pushing it. And if we were doing like a medical or healthcare company, I, I would expect that like, yeah, like, oh, it'd be nice if someone else did it, but like, I'm gonna have to press the group to like do these questions and do this thing. So I think it's like, ultimately like, yes, like I, I'm passionate about entrepreneurship. I love doing it. Um, but like, would I ever say that like, I'm as passionate about you, as you about it? Like, no, I, I don't think I am. I, I think like for specific businesses I would be, um, but just like broad scale spectrum, I'm not just like, gung-ho about entrepreneurship like i want to i want to utilize it as a tool to like make the world make like myself make other people's lives better but not so much as just like i like i want to do it just to do it which is like I, I think you have just like you have the bug and like you're doing it for all the right reasons but like that's why you're pushing forward so i very much do think like the natural leader comes out and like what you were saying is just like who's got that like ultimate driving passion for it and it's not so much that like people aren't like dedicated or don't have like a work ethic it's like finding those similar people i don't know that was kind of a roundabout way to say it but just going off what you said before we start wrapping things up i wanted to talk about a little more about the whole loan thing because i want to share this before i forget it because this week is probably the most alone i have ever felt in entrepreneurship in my life and honestly that was just pure coincidence that it fell on this week but I like really honestly, you know, all of us have heard it over and over again. Like when you're an entrepreneur, you're going to have the worst weeks ever and you're going to fail so epically over and over that you're going to want to quit. 
And I push that crap so much. And I have not come close to the last two weeks. And the re- I just think it's important to share in the moment. And I want you guys, you guys can share your uh, big entrepreneurial failures too, what you were feeling. But in the last two weeks, and this is really when you start feeling alone, I, um, and I'll just share hypothetical numbers. We had to expand a real estate project, right? And when we did that, the city wouldn't give us our permit because the sack and whack, they need to make us pay ten to $20,000. And because they won't give us a permit, it pushes us back a couple months, which means we have to cancel all of these meetings that are coming in, which means we lose out on like 10 grand in revenue. Um, at the same time, our specific building that we're doing this for is broke. So we have to actually put money in from our personal account to pay for the build outs. And then at the same time, our uh, software platform that we're launching, just straight up some of our, we had to fire one of our developers. A couple of our other developers were like, just a heads up, we've been busy with the family. So yeah, we're, we're a couple more weeks out until launch. Launch was supposed to be in June. So you just feel like you're a mess there. We've been trying to sell the product for the last two months. Not one person. I've been doing this freaking thing for two years and I think the market has changed in the last two years. So I'm legitimately going to sit down and start at the beginning and re-interview all of the companies again to find out exactly how they would say they want my product. So I'm starting over there. And then, you know what? I'm like, life is great. How much more broke can I get? And at the same time, you know, my lovely wife, her car dies. I go to the dump, three of my tires pop. Legitimately every day, whether it's that, or I'm getting some weird business citations that I have to go to court for, or whatever it is, it feels like every day is an epic failure. For the last two weeks, every day I've sat there and gone, All I want to do is curl up in a ball and cry and quit. And I'm being really honest here. Like these last two weeks, I have felt like nobody in the world can have any understanding of what I'm going through. Like I can explain it to Brady. I can explain it to Joy. I can explain it to Brandon. But nope, no one can deal with it except for me. No one knows how bad it is. Like... And that's where I think you become really alone as an entrepreneur. Because like I have just gone home and sat there and looked at my wife in the face and been like, I don't even know what these two years were for. Like we were better off two years ago. Way better off. I want people to really understand there are going to be moments even when you have a team. Because I have an awesome team in my brother. I have an awesome team in you guys. I have awesome real estate partners. I have awesome co-working partners. But the fact that all of them are coming down to me and all of them depend on me, I feel like it's on me to pull all of these people through. And so like, you just feel like you can't talk to anyone about it. And like, if we even take it to the next level, like I look at EE and I think, my gosh, how have we not done something yet? Like, how have we not put a course out? And I mean, I know why. I mean... It's mostly on, like, at least as an entrepreneur, you start to think it's mostly on me. I just think like that alone part, and I don't know if any of you guys can relate to this, 
but that aloneness that people are going to feel, it's such an extreme feeling of aloneness that that's probably why 80 to 90% of people end up just quitting. It's just the worst. Like it is the freaking worst. Yeah. When it rains, it pours. I don't, I, so I don't know. I mean, I obviously, I, I can't speak on behalf of that. I think my, my initial, my initial thought to what you were saying is like, isn't that what happens to everyone in life? Like, dude, everybody goes through shit and they're like, no one else is feeling this. I'm in the worst situation ever. There's no one I can talk to about this. But I, I, I think I think you're right in the sense of like your situation or, or entrepreneur situation is different because like I think other people can go through this and like, I don't know, pe- people might argue me on this, but like people could quit and it, it, it may not have as big of repercussions as like if you you step down. You know what I mean? Um, cause like you have like, Oh, I have all these people coming to me. Well, like leaders of big companies can say that too. Or like whoever the case leaders of, of smaller teams, um, people just like in the workforce is like, Oh, this happened. Then this happened. Then this happened. Then this happened. Then this client was pissed. And like, um, you could just say like, this is absolute shit. But I, I, I think I give you the, I give you the benefit of the doubt of like, okay, so like that, that that's happened to me. Definitely feel that truthfully, like I could quit my job and I could like, that, that would suck. But like, I wouldn't also forfeit like 20 or 30 other people's jobs and like all that, that work in that process. So I, I, I get what you're saying of that feeling of like, yeah, an entrepreneurship, it is like that sense of aloneness. Um, I, I will say that I, I think that's just like, a, that's just life. Like that is just like, you, you hit a wall and you're just like, fuck, like every, when, when you, when like the shit gets bad, it's like, oh, it's going to get really bad. It's like, oh, not just one thing happened, but I also like pop my tires and then like, three weeks later, my engine died out. And then like the client team said that they didn't like our deliverable. And then we lost this other client. So it's like, I think that that happens to everybody. And I think that, I think, I think the good point to make is like, I think that's exacerbated in entrepreneurship. So like whatever you feel in like those groups on those teams, like for people going into entrepreneurship or in entrepreneurship, you have to be aware and ready for the fact that like, I think it's that, with a three times multiplier, um, when you're doing it on your own, because like ultimately like you come back and and that stuff all all hinges on you. And and truthfully, I think like you also do have to take it with like a a grain of salt because like we always think things are worse than they really are. And I think like truthfully, if tomorrow you're like, I'm going to quit all my companies, like that obviously terrible situation, it'd be a ton of like stress and everything else on you. But like, I think you could go and get a new job, tomorrow and be totally fine or if you didn't you'd still be totally fine for for a period of time that's that's not the case for everybody but i I think like putting that perspective like knowing it's going to be like a lone wolf endeavor and that you're gonna have to push through these like shit times and you may not have other people to talk to about it but like obviously there's always there are people there supporting you and i think like looking at the bigger bigger picture and thinking like okay i think this is terrible but how bad can it really get i don't know i feel like i'm on a soapbox now but i I get what you're saying Do you think it's just a, I don't know, a made up stigmatism of entrepreneurship? Like maybe it's not even like this idea of being alone in this race where crap things happen to you before you make things work. You know, so I live in the world of entrepreneurship. Like that's the people I interact with, all of that, right? So like I always hear on a daily, the only way you're going to build a company and like you're just going to go through hell. It just is what it is. You're going through hell. 
there are like 50 people in the world that have built these billion dollar companies in a year that just didn't have to go through the hellish moment in that exact moment, but they probably will later. I wasn't trying to just sit there and complain like a bee. What I guess I'd be curious about is like, is that just anyone's road to success, whether corporate or entrepreneurship? Like, does everyone have a moment or many moments where they're always sitting there like, where's my next paycheck coming from? How am I going to pay for this, this, and this? All of this went to crap at the same time. But if I want to succeed, I got to keep pushing through all of this stuff if I want to take things through the next level. And I don't know, like, is that the case in corporate or is that just the case in entrepreneurship? It's it's definitely the case. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's siloed to entrepreneurship. If if that's that if that makes sense, um, I think you see it in in every industry. Like you could say it about athletes. Like you could say it about um, people that are just like in in any job in any role. Like oh, this is as bad as it gets. But like I don't know where this next paycheck's coming from. I don't know like like the, the feeling of like oh, I just wasted the last two years. Like well, why, like why did I do that? And like, that's not actually how you think, but like you hit times when you're like, like F this, like, what am like, what am I doing? I think it happens everywhere. And I think like, I, I think probably a, a better definition, I think you were getting to it is like, if you want to be successful in whatever you're being successful at, like that's going to happen. I, I truthfully still do support the idea that like, I think it's probably exacerbated in entrepreneurship. Um, I think like you do feel that a little bit more. I think you feel the pressure a little bit more because it's not just like, oh, I can like, I'll cut my job and start a new one or I'll jump to this other company or like what have you. Like it's different because I think like the weight is on your shoulders. Um, and I think that, that like turns out to be, uh, different for, for other, um, industries. But I, I definitely think it's inherent to any, any type of like success or, or progress that you want to make in life. If that makes, if that makes sense. I think you can make like an argument and this might be way off topic and I don't know why I'm going to sports, but like, make the argument of like someone on a football team versus like a golfer. So like you're both like trying to be as successful as you can. You're both going to hit those like terrible walls where it's like, Oh, this is all on my shoulders. Like we need like me or, or whatever I'm doing to win to get to that next position. And like, Oh, maybe like this, this stuff wasn't worth it. But like as a golfer there, there's never like the pressure is like, there's no one that's going to step in. Like if you're playing a bad round, nobody's stepping in like, take care of that for you like it's it's all on you if you're on a football team and you're like a, a lineman or a running back you get hurt like even if someone coming in is like way worse than you it's like they'll fill the position the, the game like the game's going to continue and i that's how i see it as kind of like a corporate or industry world is like yeah like things are terrible whatever worst case scenario is i lose my job but like they'll fill it in that's not gonna be a problem like they'll figure it out but like entrepreneurship is like it's me someone isn't here to fill that in it's on my shoulders that might not be like a correct um, way to look at it, but like that's one way to maybe like show the difference of like, yeah, it's happening to both parties, but it's like a little different um, like weight or pressure or like consequences. I really like the way you describe that. And I think a lot of people could relate to that. At least I can relate to it from the entrepreneurial side because I just think about, I don't know. I just think about Joey's world, for example, in accounting. And I don't even know if this is true. But Joey can have a really, really bad day in accounting. 
and I think he still feels pretty confident he's going to work the next day. Or like he didn't lose three weeks of a paycheck because of his mistake. And I think what I'd like people to understand is in the world of entrepreneurship, you can have a really, really bad day. And that really, really bad day can turn into two months of working 80, 90 hour weeks for no pay and you're paying money to work there. That is something that I guess you really can't feel until you're an entrepreneur. And like realistically, that is why this week has been so tough on me because I've always said to people, I was like, I love what I'm doing and I'm open to just, I could just work on it all day. No pay, I'd be totally happy. But the thing that's absolutely drilled me this week is working for the last couple of weeks, no pay, love what I'm doing, but also knowing I'm paying a fortune every minute I'm working. Like that is where you go home every night and you go, how? Like, how do we get through our next deal? Like, why are we doing this? What is the point? We said, when we did this build out three, when we did three of these already, we said this was gonna be the last one and we had the optimism that it was gonna work and you put in the effort and then it didn't work again. And like, when you're an entrepreneur, that is the part where you really need to figure out how are you gonna take those moments? Are you gonna move on and just say, you know what, I tried it four times, I'm freaking done with this, this sucks. Or are you gonna say, yeah, I tried four times, this sucks, it's time to do it a fifth. And that's where you need people around you. And I know I personally, like I love you guys to death, but I don't have those people around me. Like I don't have the people that I can sit down with right now who is starting something going like, I'm going through the same thing. It sucks for me, but it sucks even more because I have a wife and I have people that I need to take care of. Like having someone, and this is where we go back to the team. When you have a team that's on that same level and you have someone that you can really relate to and go through this grind with, then you don't feel as alone. And I don't think it has to just be entrepreneurship. I mean, it can be anything, but just like having the people so you're not alone, right? What's our call to action for this one? Oh yeah, we all need a call. Joe, you wanna start with a call? Uh, sure, yeah. Um, I mean, this kind of transitions perfectly if what you were just talking about is maybe uh, finding that accountability partner, maybe uh, someone who's in the same stage of business, the same stage of life as you, and kind of having that accountability partner who can relate to some of the issues that you're having. Like none of us can relate to having a wife. And so um, it's just a whole different ballgame there. And so just having that one person where you can share ideas and maybe get some different perspectives from each person on issues that you're having and just check-ins of where you're at with your goals. And if you haven't hit your goals, why aren't you hitting them and, and things like that. So I think maybe finding that accountability partner for you is, is something very, very important. Joey, before... Sorry, Brandon. How can people do that this week? What do you think the one task or action they can take to get them closer to that? To finding that person? Yeah. Even if they didn't find them this week, just what is one thing they can do to get closer to that point? I mean, finding a network of just a, a Facebook group, maybe, 
that could be a step one. Um, looking at a Facebook group of of some type of entrepreneurship group, or maybe if you're already part of a co-working uh, space, maybe looking around there and seeing kind of who might be in the same mindset, same uh, same type of situation as you may be in. Other than that, I would just say it's social media, maybe looking at groups of networking gr- groups of entrepreneurs or something like that. Um, I don't know. What do you guys? What do you guys think of a good way to find that person? I honestly ask because I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> because like, I think it's, it's so much easier in different things. Like if we're talking about just straight entrepreneurship right now, I think it's really hard. Like, I think if you're looking for someone, like if I'm looking for another 25 year old that can relate to what I'm going through, doing the things that I'm going through and I'm doing in this moment, in this area, like, I guess I can move to Silicon Valley, find some people, you know, but yeah. But I think if it's this world of like, I want to find an accounting partner, or I want to find someone within podcasting or marketing or consulting. I think there are a lot of ways to find that. And I, I think it's a little easier potentially, and I could be wrong. And that's where I think I do think about the co-working stuff. Like I've spent enough time in co-working spaces now that there are some awesome young accountants or young lawyers or young anything that I would love to have as accountability partners. Like there have been people that have come up to me in the co-working space now that have asked if I would be their accountability partner and I'm there for them, but doesn't feel like it does a lot for me <laughs> in the moment, which is fine. But right. yeah, mine kind of goes back to what we were talking about towards the middle. And that is being forward, try to be forward. We kind of talked about it where Bobby, you felt like you would, come off as a douche or whatever. I think try it at least once. People will be mad for a short amount of time. They'll get over it. Maybe it might fire someone up and be like, okay, maybe next time where I want to make it so he doesn't have to say that and kind of gets under people's skin where he's like, well, does he not feel like we're not doing anything? Maybe I should actually throw out those suggestions that I do have, but I'm too afraid to say. Or just, yeah, I think just, just be upfront with people. Try it at least once. Might be weird. It's basically like going up and talking to someone random, but once you do it once, you might get more comfortable with it. And I think just try it once and see how it goes. So my action this week that I would encourage everyone to do, um, you may not have felt this from what I said earlier about how the week sucked. Um, The week has sucked, but believe it or not, during some of those sucky moments, I had this weird thrill of excitement um, where it was kind of like, oh, we just lost another 10 grand. And it was like, it's kind of exciting. We have to figure out how to make this work. And I'm going to steal this from Tony Robbins because earlier in the week, a lot of things were going bad. And I sat there just going, my life sucks. This is the worst luck ever. I freaking hate this. And then I thought about what Tony said. Whenever you're in a bad situation, you just need to realize that you're the only one that can ruin your day. You're the only one that can make yourself unhappy. So no matter how bad of a situation you're in, how crappy your luck is, or whatever it might be, take 10 seconds and legitimately just think through the fact that you're the one that has control over your own happiness. 
no situation, no circumstance, no outside factor has control. So in that moment, take those 10 seconds to reevaluate and change your mindset. And even if it's hard as hell, choose to be happy in that moment because it's going to make your week so much better because it definitely helped for my week. Yeah, I agree. That's a good point. Um, I, I, I actually really love that. I've had a big, big mind shift to that because I realized that like I had a lot of stuff that was just like frustrating me at all times. And then you realize like it's not what happens. It's like how you react to it. And you're like, how are people in such a good mood all the time? But it's like, I'm choosing to react to that. It's like not what they did. It's just like, I'm being like, you're the, pro like I'm the problem, not someone else. Um, even, even if things are going bad. So I, I think that's a great one. Um, my, my big takeaway would be, uh, what we were talking about earlier, sit down and figure out, cause I'd be hard pressed to think there aren't many people that are working on a team in some regard, whether you're in school, whether you're corporate, whether you're entrepreneurship and figure out kind of like, what your role or what your value is to a team, like figure out what that, that like skill set is, that is like your go-to that's like your bread and butter that like makes you a valuable asset to the team. Because, um, I think a lot of people don't sit down and think about that. And once you can figure out like what that is, um, like what you're able to do and like what you're capable of doing, like increases exponentially. Once you figure out like, Oh, I'm really good at doing this and I love doing this. Um, and once you start focusing on what that is, then you can provide a lot more value to both yourself and like your team, your project, whatever you're working on. So sit down, take five minutes, 10 minutes, and whether you want to jot it down on paper or just um, kind of ruminate on it on your own is, is figure out what, what your, uh, your go-to like kind of skill or passion is and, and start utilizing that on your team.